Blog Talk Radio. You know, every time I speak, I want the truth to come out. You know what I'm saying? Every time I speak, I want to shiver. You know, I don't want them to be like, they know what I'm going to say because it's polite. They know what I'm going to say. And even if I get in trouble, you know what I'm saying? That Ain't that what we're supposed to do? It's, I'm not saying I'm going to rule the world or I'm going to change the world, but I guarantee that I will spark the, the, the brain that will change the world. Anybody know who Willie Lynch was? Anybody? Raise your hand. He was a vicious slave owner in the West Indies. The slave masters in the colony of Virginia were having trouble controlling their slaves, so they sent for Mr. Lynch to teach them his methods. Keep the slave physically strong, but psychologically weak and dependent on the slave master. Keep the body, take the mind. I and every other professor on this campus are here to help you to find, take back, and keep your righteous mind. I don't know if you know how extraordinary this is, but you have made it 100 miles to freedom all by yourself. Would you like to pick a new name to mark your freedom? Harry Tumble. I'm your host, Montoya Smith, a.k.a. Black Socrates, along with special guest co-host Krista Gaynell. Welcome to the Mental Dialogue Talk Show. We are the return of intelligent radio as we ensure the free flow of opinions and push the envelope on the questions America's afraid to ask in the mainstream media. Hello, Christy. How are you doing? Thank you for being back in the saddle with me one more again. How are you doing, Queen? I'm awesome. Good morning. Happy Saturday, everybody. It looks beautiful outside, but it's freezing, so be careful. And I'm glad to be back. Thank you for calling me. No, absolutely. If you're a long-time listener, then you probably should be excited about having Christy back in the saddle. Christy Gaynell again, my long-time co-host for the first couple of years of this show. But in addition to Christy, we have a, an amazing returning guest, Dr. Kelly Carter-Jackson. How are you doing, Queen? Thank you for being with us again this morning for this dynamic show we are about to have. I know I got you for one hour and one hour exactly, <laughs> so we're not going to waste any more time with you. If you will, Queen, say hello and thank you for coming hello, back to Mr. Dialogue. Thank you for having and me if back. You will, go ahead and get into your background before we even tell them what the discussion question is for those who may have missed the advertisement. Go ahead, Queen. Say hello sure, and tell them sure. what, what, you, what you do. What you do. Sure. First of all, I just want to say thank you for having me back. It's always a pleasure. Um, for those of you who aren't familiar with me, I am a professor of African, uh, African-American studies at Wellesley College uh, just outside of Boston. I have written a couple of books. My latest book is called Force and Freedom, Black Abolitionists and the Politics of Violence. And I have another edited collection called Reconsidering Roots that's all about Alex Haley's roots. 
So I have a particular interest in black history, in film, but also in the 19th century, looking at slavery and the abolitionist movement in particular. Now, it's perfect. You are an expert for this morning's discussion question, if you will. Again, as you just said, not only history, but specifically with film, and this is your affinity, if you will. So this morning's discussion question is, Harriet the movie, support her story or Hollywood trash? Again, that question is, Harriet the movie, support her story or Hollywood trash. And the reason that question is dubbed that way is because there's been a lot of back and forth for those who love the movie and those who have a great distaste for the movie and have seen it and told others not to watch it, in addition to uh, a, a bigger movement for for reasons not to watch it, which we'll get into a little bit later. But to go ahead and get started, we'll get started. We'll let you start, uh, Dr. Jackson, as, as our um, special guest if you will, you tell me, hearing that question worded that way, what is your first thought that came to your mind? This is how we start every show. We want the very initial thought. If It could be shot, all, I like it, don't like it, whatever it was. When you hear that question worded that way, what's the first thing that comes to mind for you? Well, I, I mean, I love the film. I absolutely love the film. I felt empowered by it. I felt um enraptured. Well, like, yeah, just real, yeah, real quick, real quick, just kind of, get, I want to be real specific but, with this. The, the first thought when you hear that question, you know what I mean? The first thought when I hear like, that ver- question yeah, is... Yeah, just that question itself. Well, <laughs> first thought when I hear that question Yeah, that's, you feel what I'm saying? I want that thought, not, not the, <laughs> I love the film, and then, you feel what I'm saying? We're going to do that anyway, right? But I always want <laughs> that first thought. Like, this is how we start every show. <laughs> I'm cutting you off to make sure I get that thought, the one that you you had to pause before you said it. Yeah, I want that thought. Yeah. (laughs) That, you know, I have a real issue with people calling it trash, a real issue. I have a real issue with anyone who would attach the word trash to anything within the vicinity of black women. I have a real problem with that. Um, And I think that you know, there's been a lot of, I think, misinformation and miscommunication about the film. There's been a lot of people speaking about the film that have never even seen the film. Um, and so I, I take a huge issue with that because this is the first film in which you have a black woman playing the protagonist of a film that is largely about slavery. And so because I teach a course on slavery and film, all of the films that we watch, and there are not a lot of films, there are about a little bit more than a dozen what we would call slavery films, there are no black women protagonists, meaning no black women as the central feature character. And this time that we have one, and they're not just telling any story, they're not just telling a fictional story, but it's the biopic essentially of Harriet Tubman. Um, and so the backlash that's been coming out of this film is should be shocking to me. It really should be shocking. But on the other hand, I know that it's a reminder of how people really see black women and really value black women. And um, and yeah, here is well, something let me, like let me that jump is in the first thought, if you will, because if, if, if you know like we're doing that first thought, but that's fair, Christy, if you will, uh, knowing you seen the movie, when you hear the question worded that way, 
What's your first thought, if you will? My first thought is support her story. Um, absolutely support her story because, you know, we've all been caught up in his story for so long and his story of what things are and how he's supposed to be. And we know wrote his story. And we've supported mm-hmm. history. We've supported all the lies mm-hmm. and BS that they told us about his story. This mm-hmm. time they're telling us her story. And I think we need to give her story just as much, if not more, support than we've given mm-hmm. history in the past. Mm-hmm. Okay. So let me say, Dr. Jackson, I am literally guilty of being the one to attach the term to the question, because I think that was your first initial thought. I don't have an issue with anybody who attaches the word trash. Like, that was your first thought. So I will own that I was the one who attached. But not for the reasons that you said. Not that I'm not that I'm going to justify, but I do want to clarify <laughs> that I didn't attach it simply because there was a woman protagonist in the movie, uh, basically, the, it's something I have consistently seen as part of the backlash from from those from those who have actually seen the film, like yourself and like Christy. And I guess at this point, let me let the cat out the bag to the audience out there listening. I have yet to see the film, and so I know people are saying, wow. "Well, whoa, how are you even gonna do this show, right?" Mm-hmm. You know, mm-hmm. you know, Kelly, you had a major, major issue. Like, how are we gonna do this? <laughs> You know what I mean? So I'm going ahead and just put it on the table. Okay, I got to be fair because I can do the discussion and people might not know I haven't seen the movie, but I'm not going to do that because there's a point to, again, I said there's a bigger issue attached to this movie at this particular time. And it's really about the timing in reference to why I haven't seen the movie, but I'll let that out a little later in the show before we let our special guest go again we have her for the first hour of the show that will explain in a sense why i have chose not to see the movie but again i will tell you attaching that term trying to get listeners comes from those i've watched many reviews and again that doesn't say i've watched the movie but i'm just saying watching the reviews and reading the different things that have been said about it that's a term i consistently kept seeing and and i will say and i'll let you jump in right here um, Kelly, if you will, um, mm-hmm. everybody that's saying it, I don't think there's everybody saying it due to it being a woman antagonist, but that's definitely been a part of the backlash. But again, I'll let you jump in. My question, mm-hmm. in jump, you know, because I think that's kind of where you were going. Um, definitely address that part of it. But I would ask, um, have you seen any backlash that you felt was honestly not related to that part of it? As well, because I've definitely seen mm-hmm. what you're talking about. I've also seen that additional part that I think people are describing it that way that has nothing to do with, it's you know, a woman antagonist, if you will. But I'm just wondering, have you seen both the, that okay, version I, of the backlash as well? I've seen both versions. I think the version, I think that's, there are two versions of this controversy that I think are really disturbing. The first aspect is that people have been very upset about this character, Bigger Long, who is a black slave catcher in the film. And not to give away too many spoilers for people who haven't seen it or maybe for people who have, but um, as a historian, I have to say that black slave catchers were real. They did exist. This is not 
fiction or just made up. Not only were there black slave catchers, but we also know that they were black slave owners. Um, so these things shouldn't surprise us, but because there's so little information that we have in a K-12 setting about slavery, because people do so little research about what actually happened in slavery, this may be shocking to a, a broader public, but people like Bigger Long do exist. I think I took issue with the fact that people were more upset about how he was portrayed and how black men were portrayed than how the film actually gave so much uh, history and life to Harriet Tubman. And not only that, I I think that there's this idea that, you know, Bigger Long was this, this person that made black men look bad. But there's lots and lots of black characters in the film that are positive, that are great. Her father, William Still. Uh, the other black abolitionist on the Underground Railroad. There's another black slave catcher that has a change of heart, you know, and he becomes one of um, Harriet Tubman's helpers. Um, So I felt like people had taken this small character that doesn't really come out until the end of the film, exploited it, made it this bigger deal, and then said we shouldn't care about this because it makes black men look bad, which to me is ridiculous because for all those people who won't, see Harriet, I'm pretty sure they saw Jingo, and none of them were doing this whole boycott when you had a completely fictional scene of black men fighting each other as Mandingo fighters. Like, that would have never taken place in slavery, never. And yet, there was no pushback over Jingo. Because why? Because the black man saves the day, because the black man blows up a plantation, but because Harriet doesn't combat slavery in a way that looks like an explosion or that puts the black man at the center. We can't value Harriet. We have to trash Harriet. And I think there's something really problematic about that kind of cancel culture. Now, that's fair enough. Let's, we got to go to a quick break. Christy will definitely get your thoughts coming out of the break. Um, I will just throw this out there. I, I definitely saw some of that backlash um, in, de- in reference to the Menango stuff with um, the Django, but definitely not to the degree that we're seeing now. You know, just throwing out that I mean, you know that it was. I mean, think about how much money Django made. Yeah, yeah. Django made. Yeah, we'll jump to the commercial. I was just throwing, I was just throwing out that thought that I, did, I recalled it back last, but not in a major way. Not in a major way. You know, I'm definitely. All right, we'll be right back. We'll come back with Christy's thoughts coming out of the break. Listen to the Mr. Dialogue Talk Show. But all I ask is that you think. Karate for Children is offered every Sunday at Mount Vernon Presbyterian Church Gymnasium from 2.45 to 4.15 p.m. for ages 5 to 14 years old. Children will learn Japanese karate as well as self-defense prevention skills to handle today's situations like bullying and child abductions. For only $10 a class, children will gain confidence, self-control, and focus all while having fun and getting good physical fitness. There are no bench warmers because everyone participates. Come join our family every Sunday at 471 Mount Vernon Highway, Northeast, Sandy Springs, Georgia, 30328. For more information, call B-Champs at 770-643-1286. Again, that number is 770-643-1286. A slave catcher that never existed that is running around calling Harriet Tubman a bitch. That's what he does. 
and essentially says he's chasing her because he wants a white horse. I mean, I have no idea how Cassie Lemons got this put out. I have no idea how everybody from Dyson to Mark Lamont Hill to Brittany Cooper to many others have walked out of theaters saying that this was what, you know, Dyson expressed so many positive accolades. I'll talk about in a second about this film. But I know that this don't make sense. Now we also have a slave owner, a slave owner that never existed again. We have this slave owner, and, and essentially he, he, he was chasing Harriet as well. Now, I don't know if he, I think he hired the slave catcher. And eventually he kills the slave catcher because of supposedly, based on some articles, being in love with Harriet. This guy never existed, and essentially is made into a savior that has some kind of story arc of development. This is awful by Cassie Lemons, awful by Focus Features, and every academic that has said, well, the math makes it so I have to support it. What there's Welcome back to the Mental Dialogue Talk Show. I'm your host, Montoya Smith, a.k.a. Black Socrates, along with special guest co-host Christy Gaynell is back with us. This morning, for this morning's discussion question, Harriet the movie, movie, support her story or Hollywood trash? Our special guest is Dr. Kelly Carter-Jackson. You just heard a cut from Antonio Moore from Tone Talk giving his partial review of what his issue with the very character that Dr. Kelly Carter-Jackson was basically pointing out in, in from her perspective. And fair enough, again, let me admit, if you're just now tuning in, uh, Christy and Kelly have seen the movie myself. Uh, I'm one of those that are watching a bunch of reviews, and she says, hey, this character came out at the end. But as you said, that Kelly uh, Jackson, that the actual um, people are focused on this character, and you hear it from Antonio Moore. Christy, I wanted to get your thoughts. Again, you know, you say we should support her story, and here's clearly some backlash that we just put her from um, Tone Talk. So if you well, will, what, what are your thoughts, man. Queen? has obviously not seen the movie. I, you can tell by everything that he's saying about the movie that he's not watched it. Because if he had, he would know that what he's saying is not even thing, he's not even talking about things that actually take place in the movie. Um, he keeps making reference to the slave master that was chasing Harriet down. He said he killed him because he was in love with Harriet. And that's not true at all. Like That wasn't even part of the movie he killed him because he didn't want him to kill Harriet because he said nobody's going to kill her but me it had nothing to do with being in love with her Uh it had more to do with serving her up to his community and saying hey I caught her I brought her back and trying to get restitution for his family Uh uh now that makes a lot of sense so it sounds like so clearly if that's the case and it clearly sounds like that review has an agenda behind it, especially, like you say, if you're putting out things that are not factual from the movie, then there's clearly an agenda with that review. Go ahead, uh, Kelly. Yeah, I think it's, you know, a lot of people have just talked about the scene and they have not actually seen the film. And it does require that you see the film in its entirety, right? You can't just sort of watch that scene and then say, oh, the slave master rescued her. Um, rescued her to take her to freedom? No, he rescued her to take her back to slavery, which in my mind, that's not a rescue, right? He did not save her. He was simply trying to capture her for himself. Um, 
and I, I appreciated the fact that, you know, we're having this conversation, and I think it's good that people can ask these questions and look at film critically and talk about the different ways in which they might have interpreted this scene. But there's no way that you could look at that slave master and say that he was trying to do something good for Harriet. All of Harriet's oh, life, not. her entire life was meant to escape slavery. So there's no favor that's being done here. She said, and this is history, I would rather die than go back to slavery. So in that sense, if Bigger Long had killed her, then, you know, he would have been doing her the favor by killing her as, as opposed to her going back to slavery. So, you know, this idea of rescue just does not work. And I don't know why we're so appalled when we see black men or particular black men act in a way that's unpleasing to us as though this never, ever happens. Like, that's right. just not true. Historically, at all. We know that black men participate in all kinds of nefarious behavior, and that culture needs to be called out as well. And it's not just about black people being slave catchers, right? Black people turn on people politically. They turn on black people economically. You know, it's not just a social interaction that makes someone abhorrent. Like, you see how black men can abuse the black community with their dollars, with their political actions, with their choices. Um, so that, to me, is not something shocking. We should not be shocked by this. So let me ask you, if I can, let me ask you about what you just said, if you will. Go ahead. Go, go ahead, Christy. Go ahead. I want to weigh in on, on some, some of what's going on right here, too, because a lot of what you're saying is that black men are appalled by the portrayal of black men in this movie, and the implication is that the belief is that black men don't act this way. And the reality of our culture is that not only do black men act this way, but the cover-up of black men acting mm. this way is so deep and so perpetual that they have mm. women complying in the cover-up, which is why so many mm. black women have been abused and beaten and raped at the hands mm. of the same black men that are appalled by this portrayal. Mm. And their, their, their abuses have been covered up. And then, and then any time that a black man is like actually sentenced or actually accused or actually penalized, then you have this whole backlash of, oh, these people shouldn't have said anything. They should have kept their mouth shut. They should have, they should have. And it's always, the black woman who's put down, pushed down, beat down, abused, raped, suffering, and the black men who people are up in arms over the fact that he may have been actually, you know, disciplined for his behavior. And other black men acting like, well, that wasn't really so bad, or how can you accuse him or blame him, or he didn't. And all up in arms over the defense of this man, like, at what point are we going to just say, hey, there are some black men out there who do some fucked up shit, and <laughs> somebody needs to stand up in support of black women? Yeah, yeah. So let me now ask way. both of you. Uh, yeah, let me ask both of you. So what, what what's happening right now? And I I saw a, a, this particular review of uh, Dr. Shana Etienne, and she did a review. And she took issue with, you know, similar to Tone Talks. And so what she was saying, and I kind of want to hear your thoughts on this. So 
we got an hour to go, and in this second segment of this discussion, we're on what black men do today. And her concern was there's a film perpetuating from from historical times, perpetuating this narrative that has always existed, that this country has consistently put out that narrative from the beginning of film, um, written narratives. It's a, a, a narrative that, in a sense, our community has tried to get away from, especially in the early beings when it was just something completely made up. And so she looked at it as just Hollywood's way of continuing, uh, uh, as she said, a false narrative. And to me, the idea that this is where we're at already, and I do definitely understand particularly what I had to say about Tone. Like I said, if he hasn't watched it and he makes something up, because, again, I haven't seen the film, so I have to respect that you know what he said, and I do agree. It sounds like he hasn't seen it, so I can even agree with that part as well. So again, I hear an agenda with what he's saying, uh, but the fact that we've delved into this part, it sounds exactly what Dr. Shana Eddie was talking about in her review. That that was her biggest issue. That Hollywood is, as she said, once again perpetuating a narrative that they started historically. And I mean, obviously, I think you could speak to this. I'll, I'll well, I think, start. I think with that, when you talk about Hollywood, I think what people get so caught up, like Dr. like Dr. Kelly was saying, on Bigger Long's role in the movie. He was one person, one black man yeah. in the movie. There were dozens of black men in this movie who mm-hmm. had beautiful parts to play historically. Mm-hmm. And they talked about how so many other black men were involved in helping to free the slaves. The black men that helped Harriet along the way get to where she was going. The one that tried Mm -hmm. to protect her, put her up in a house and sent Mm -hmm. her some clothing. The one who said, here, let me put your name on this mantle and put your name in this esteemed group of people who has been historically written down as participating, mm-hmm. helping to end slavery and free slavery, all the people that she went back and rescued. All I mean, there were so many various um, portrayals of the different thought processes and ways and behaviors of black men. There were the ones mm-hmm. I mean, that showed actual fear you know, he's like, oh, I'm not crossing that water, you know, I, I can't swim. And she had to, like, demonstrate, like, we can do this. And then when he uh-huh. did it, you know, he apologized to her for doubting her, for questioning her or whatever. And that's probably a portrayal or a character that black men don't want to see in themselves. They, a lot of times we don't want to see uh-huh. ourselves show fear. We don't want to see ourselves show violence. We don't want to see ourselves be angry. We don't want to see ourselves portrayed in any way that's not the utmost uplifting. But I think it's important to show all of those aspects of a man because that's who men are ultimately. There are men yeah. who are at times fearful and act ignorantly and violently out of their fear. And sometimes those men have the strength and the courage to come back and say, I was wrong, and sometimes they don't. And I think that this movie did an excellent Mm -hmm. job of portraying very many facets of Mm -hmm. black men, what they're capable of, and Mm -hmm. what's on both sides of the spectrum. Mm -hmm. All right, Dr. Corder-Jackson, if you will, let me ask you this. Yeah, let me ask you this real quick. So for those who are, in a sense, 
overly concerned with, I think we can agree to, there has been a false narrative historically of just how we're looked at in general, particularly the black man. I think you're, I know you're familiar with that history. So for those who are worried about it and attaching it to that history, what would you say to them, uh, Dr. Carter Jackson, if you will? I mean, <clears throat> when I look at all of the films that have been made within this genre, most of them, nine times out of ten, they've been done by white men. So the only film that you might have an exception to that is um, Solomon Northrup's 12 Years a Slave. I'm blanking on the director's name. Um, he's black British. Oh. But he won for Best Picture. I'm, uh, his name will come to me. But for the most part, you've had all white men making these kinds of films. And so I think it's very easy to say, and if I had not seen the film or if I was not familiar, that, oh, this is Hollywood's M.O., right? This is how Hollywood operates. They're always trying to make us look bad because we haven't really had good slave films, right? They've been really bad or really violent or really inaccurate or pose all of these kinds of myths and narratives, and that is completely fair to in your gut want to have that kind of response of, oh, that's Hollywood, that's Hollywood. But this is a film in which the director is a black woman, the screenwriter is a black woman, the other screenwriter is a black man, one of the major producers is a black woman, right? Like, you have black people at the helm of this film making this film. So to dismiss it and say, oh, that's Hollywood, that's Hollywood, that's what they do. Well, no, this is us. Like, we made this film. Black women made this film. Black men helped to make this film. I mean, the predominant characters in this film are black people. Um, there are not even a whole lot of white people aside from, like, the the Harriet's master that have a whole lot of speaking roles, right? Like, even the white abolitionists um, don't play prominent roles in this film. So I think that we need to take that into consideration before we write it off and say, oh, that's Hollywood. Mm -hmm. You have to look at who is the director, who is the screenwriter, who is producing the film. They have the ultimate green light, red light power. Like, and that right. was a black woman. So all right. Let me let me jump in. We battle you up against the break, unfortunately. Yeah, yeah, no problem. Makes make sense. Now let me throw this out. I mean, going into the break, and you're gonna, I'm gonna let you hear more reviews from Tone as well as Yvette Cannell, if y'all are familiar with them doing a lot of things together. And so you're going to hear kind of both of them speak on this next cut. I think what you're saying, Dr. Carter Jackson, makes a lot of sense. Let me just start this aspect and tell me what you think about this after this cut. The aspect mm -hmm. that for the reasons that you said, because there's been so many films told not from our own perspective, that there's maybe this psychological sensitivity to that history, to yeah. where even mm -hmm. seeing this film that is dynamic as you're saying it is from your perspective, people are walking away. Not everybody, of course, as, as you heard in the cut. Even Tone talk, talk, talked about the fact that Mark Lamont Hill likes it, and you know some other people that we we're more familiar with really, you know, were raving about the movie. So everybody's not in this position, but there are some people that are maybe sensitized based on their own psychological logical makeup, that they walked away only seeing it partly the way that we're talking about. And, again, it's not about justifying. It's just I think what you're saying kind of makes sense for why this film, even though different, as you're saying, is unfortunately being received by many, you know, well, by a lot, you know, by some um, in this unfortunate way. Let's go to this cut. We're going to hear some more, you know, opposite reviews of it, but we're going to, you know, get your thoughts on what you hear. We'll be right back. You're listening to the Mental Dialogue Talk Show. But all I ask is that you think. <laughs> 
first movies in decades in terms of slavery and displaying black males in their roles. You can't, like Brittany Cooper tried to allude to, say there's a few black men that are positive when the main villain is a slave catcher that uses that kind of language. You can't do that. You end up in a space uh, where, where Yvette, did you see the tweet where the young, where the woman says she took her 11-year-old and her 11-year-old actually was yeah, walked out of there scared because of this character? Do you know the damage you have done to that young woman's idea, that 11-year-old's idea of black folks, black men in this society? There's no additional ADOS nice man that actually balances that out. That is an awful statement by Brittany Cooper. This is an awful movie. You want to speak to that love interest or the, or the slave catcher? Well, well, and not only that, I think I think what we see is that there's something afoot. Like we have, you know, it, it pains me, but I, you, you and I have tried to, you know, kind of abstain from this this gender sniping and say we're one group. It's ADOS. There is no yeah. ADOS over here, feminism and ADOS over here. We're, we're men. We're, no, it's like we have to be a collective. What this group has done is is basically turned black men into the villains. And, and said that black women are the heroines who need to be saved by white men. Now, here's the problem, too. This is a biopic. Like, this is supposed to be about Harriet Tubman's life. It would be awful if it was a movie. That's true. But you took you took one of our icons, At our heroes, underground, underground Railroad, and you made her into this. Look at her face throughout the film. She, she's always looking scared and, oh, Lord of mercy, what's going to happen to me? And it's just like, no, this, this, woman, was, this woman was fierce. She was a hero. She was courageous. There was none of that in this character, and she was saved by a white man, and we saw a black man murder another fictionalized black woman in, the, in, the, in Janelle Monae's character. It goes to show you, like, listen, there's something going on here, yeah. and, it's, and, it's, and it's real nefarious. And they sanitized slavery. They took out slavery from slavery. People, I, what I want you guys to go see is, and I'm not saying you're going to get through the whole thing, go see Goodbye, Uncle Tom. I think it's available throughout the throughout the net in the seventies. Essentially, I sat down with Mark Walper. Mark Walper's dad is David Walper. David Walper did Roots. Mark Walper, and, and when I say sat down, I, I did business with him in terms of optioning a, a movie, and we had long conversations. I brought him out to the Urban League Young Professionals actually, and he spoke to them. And essentially, uh, he did Roots for the History Channel. We talked about that when he was doing that and what needs to happen. But he also his dad did Roots the original. Well, before Roots the Original, there was this movie called Goodbye, Uncle Tom. And what it was, it was done by the French. So what happened was when Roots comes out, because it's made for TV, even as raw as you might think Roots was, they had sanitized slavery even in that. Goodbye, Uncle Tom literally shows parts of slavery that have been omitted from film, and which makes us wonder whether film and TV have any business in this space if they don't want to be honest. Welcome back to the Mental Dialogue Talk Show. I'm your host, Montoya Smith, a.k.a. Black Soccer Team, along with special guest co-host Christy Gaynell. Our special guest is Dr. Kelly Carter-Jackson for this morning's discussion question. Harriet, the movie, support her story, or Hollywood trash, as we hear another cut from Tone Talks. Antonio Moore and Yvette Cornell giving their perspective, and that's what's getting put out, for example, in the atmosphere, if you will, Dr. Carter Jackson, I'll definitely um, let you respond. What was telling to me was the last thing that was said in that cut, just the idea of does Hollywood even have any business in this space? And a lot of people are hearing this type of commentary about this particular movie. I've seen it other places. I just chose to get it from one place, if you will. But go ahead, um, Queen, speak speak to the, what you just heard. The tone talks. Clip is really disturbing. <laughs> I 
I mean, I I have seen Goodbye Uncle Tom is porn. Like that is literally all that it is. Goodbye Uncle Tom is unwatchable. It is unwatchable. And I think it's disturbing to have someone like Tone Talks praising David Wolper and Mike Wolper for his, for their role in making Roots, and he can't appreciate a film that's been made and produced by black people, black women in particular. It just reeks of sexism to me. And I think that one of the things that Casey Lemon does as a director that I was so grateful for was that she doesn't include a whipping scene. She doesn't include a rape scene. But what she also doesn't do is tell us that these things didn't happen, right? We see the effects of rape on screen. You see the effects of whippings on screen, but you don't see the violence itself. And one of the number one critiques people have had about slave films is that they're too violent, they're too violent. I don't want to go and be, you know, assaulted, or I don't want to go and, and feel traumatized because these films are really difficult to watch. And so I think what Casey Lemon does is she takes a careful hand and says, I want to protect the audience, and in particular, I want to protect black audiences. I don't want to give them the same trope of a whipping scene or a rape scene. I want them to know that the real villain is slavery, right? The villain, the greatest villain in this movie is not Burger Long. The greatest villain is slavery. Harriet is fighting against slavery. Burger Long is just a small afterthought in terms of all of the work that Harriet is fighting against. And if we're, if we're not careful to really see slavery as the biggest problem, right, if we can't, along with the film, assume that slavery is the greatest evil, then I don't think we really know what slavery is, and I don't think that's Casey Lemon's fault, right? That is our own um, choice to look at a film like this and not see what the bigger issues are. The whole film, Harriet Tubman is not running away from bigger long. She is running to rescue her people from slavery, right? Like that is the main concern, slavery. And I think that when we warp these perceptions and put it all on black men, and so black men have never had their debut or their chance to be heroes, they have. If you watch Jingle and Change, that's all about the promotion of black masculinity. Even if you watch Solomon Northup, that's all about a black man's perspective of being enslaved. If you watch Glory, it is all about black male soldiers fighting in the Civil War. Like every somewhat positive film that we've had in the late 20th so century. Let me, let me, let me, let me, let me jump in right there in particular. I know I want to let Christy go as well, but I want to jump on that little that point in particular. Just because I'm, I'll say is I'm not noticing just and I won't definitely want to hear Chrissy's thoughts on has she seen any of the backlash. What, I, what I'm not noticing is I'm not noticing that people are even necessarily propping up some, like the movies you just mentioned as this idea that there are no black male heroes. Like, like what I'm saying is I don't think people are saying, well, we don't have those. I don't think they're saying that. I mean, the people that I typically see take the biggest issue with this type of stuff, they're not a fan of hardly any of those movies, which I think is, in my, I'll say in my opinion, the way I heard Tone talk speak was even in saying, he says, if you can even get through 
goodbye, Uncle Tom. He, he says that if you can get through. And I actually heard him the last sentence kind of wrap up what he was saying was just it wasn't so much giving them props as much he says should they be in the space. But he's saying from the standpoint of if you're going to sanitize it, I think you're making an extremely valid point based on our personal trauma. It's probably not smart to continue seeing it that way. I'm just kind of clarifying that I don't think he was giving props as much as he's saying get get them out the space altogether. And I'm not even saying that to agree with him because, again, your point is not possibly even more valid. Like when I hear you say that, Dr. Carter Jackson, now I'm thinking, you know, if, if we're going to get into the the idea of gender that I actually when you when I heard you say that it made me think, not surprising that uh, uh, in a sense a woman writer woman director would be sensitive in a good way right like I'm hearing you I'm hearing you okay. say that as I hear you give that critique it makes sense whereas as you said most of these films in the past being led by typically some white male you know whatever and as Tone said maybe for TV as Roots was as he mentioned but in reality we do get those scenes typically from people who don't have a perspective of what our psychological trauma might be. So, again, I'm just kind of talking about them, not siding, just trying to point out. Really, go ahead, go ahead. I want to say yeah, one please. thing really quickly is that I think that we have two different interpretations about what victory looks like. And if I'm, if okay. I'm generalizing, I don't think men can visualize victory without violence. So in order to mm-hmm. win – you have to overthrow, you have to blow up, you have to kill, right. you have to murder, you have to have violence in order to have victory. And from a woman's perspective, and in particular Harry Cummins' perspective, she's saying in order to have victory, you don't necessarily have to have violence. I don't have to kill you, I don't have to hurt you, because that's a cycle that perpetuates itself over and over again. If you can mm-hmm. overthrow me, I can overthrow you, and the cycle keeps going over and over again. What we need is a stop to the violence, a stop to the violence. So mm-hmm. in this film, does she kill anyone? No. Does she have to? No. What she is trying to show us is a different way to imagine Make to envision victory without bloodshed. I'm going to be better than the master. You raped me, I'm not doing that. You whipped us, we're not doing that. Now, I won't risk my life for, for um, you know, over foolishness, but I think she's giving us an, an alternative way of saying how can we get out of this insidious cycle that is slavery, you know, and operate outside of a violent victory? And, you know, the Civil War is that. She participates in that. But I think that men in particular are dissatisfied because this does not grotesquely show all the violence that they expect when they think of victory. Right. Uh, makes sense from that perspective. Christy, um, <laughs> any, have you, you know, I know you saw the film last night. Had you seen any of this backlash prior to the film? Just, just kind of I wondering, had, had you even caught any of that before you actually saw the film? And what, what, what did you see, if you will? I didn't, you know me, I don't watch the news. But, I mean, on Facebook, right, 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 I that's why I'm asking. Yeah, that's why I'm asking. I mm-hmm. had not heard or felt any backlash. I, had, I actually hadn't even heard a review before I saw the movie. Okay. Um, so I, I saw it with a very clean eye and right. perspective. I didn't hear anything about it other than, like, the trailer that I saw, you know, at a different movie. So that's, that's the right. most I had heard or known about anything to do with this movie. So I just, like, went and watched it. And what I, what I, what I um, noticed and in hearing tone, um, what I think a, a lot of people don't really pay attention to when they talk about sanitizing slavery is that when you're making a movie, 
there are rating systems and there are timing issues, right? So there's only so much stuff you can show. When you put, when you talk about comparing it to a movie like Roots, Roots was like, what, four, six, eight hours long? I don't even remember, but I know it took several days to watch Roots in order to show the extent of the beatings and the abuse and like what people were going through. And they, that was intentionally designed to kind of give that in-depth feeling of what was happening at that time period. This is a two hour movie and it's designed where young people can watch it. It's rated PG 13, right? So it's not an effort to sanitize slavery, in my opinion, it's a portrayal of historical events. And I think when you talk about, you know, education system that we have now, kids don't want to read, people don't want to like really delve into history, black history is not really being talked about, shown or portrayed um, the way that it should be. We talk about that all the time. You have here a movie that is a really good historical representation of something powerful, meaningful, and empowering to women that happened. And I think from a historical perspective, even though it doesn't detail every abuse or every rape or every um, negative aspect, and there may have been certain things that were fictionalized, I don't know. However, there, the historical data is also specifically mentioned um, where they talk about, you know, they wrote down accounts of who was rescued and what happened to them. Like the guy that as they were coming in, he was interviewing people and he was like, they're telling them this person raped me, this person beat me, I got this many lashes, I got knocked upside the head for this or for that. And he's writing down so that there is a historical representation mm-hmm. of what happened. Harriet actually makes a speech where she talks about how um, when people were ready to, like, give up or quit or just get to freedom, she is like, no, you don't understand what it's like to be a slave. These people are beaten, whipped, raped, mistreated. Our kids are being raped before they're old enough to have their period. Like, these are statements Uh she's making in the movie about what slavery is like. So to say that she sanitized it in this film, Uh I think, overstatement of facts because the reality gotcha. is she made the film in such a way that everyone can yeah, me... watch it and still understand okay, gotcha. that what happened far greater than the story uh, represents. Yeah. Uh-huh. Nah, uh-huh. We're up against the break, so we're going to well, go to the break. We come back. When we come back from break, you're going to hear the part for why I have chosen to take part in the ADOS boycott of the film, which is the American Descendants of Slaves. And I want to get into that because it's definitely an aspect that has to be talked about uh, in reference to this particular film. We'll be right back. You're listening to the Mental Dialogue Talk Show. But all I ask is that you think. Hey, where did you get that hat and T-shirt? I like that. Oh, I got this at MoneyMotivation.com. It's fresh, right? Yes. And I love the message on it, too. You are the hustle, huh? That's what the shirt says. I am the hustle. They embody the entrepreneurial spirit. And what I like the most, it's more than a brand. It's a lifestyle for those who want to put in the work and expect to have the final things in life. I also follow them on Instagram. Check this post out. If you believe money is the root of all evil, you're using it wrong? Or how about this one? Excuses made $0 an hour. I like those. What's their IG? At moneymotivation.co. But do they have any ladies gear? Yes, you're going to love the clothing line they got for the ladies. Matter of fact, 
Pull up their website, moneymotivation.com, and I'm going to get you a few things so we can both look like money. Everywhere I go, go. And everywhere I be, be. I don't even talk, talk. They still go with me. Because I look like money. Smell like money. Talk like money. Even walk like money. You have Comcast suing Byron Allen. And the main issue that the Supreme Court is going to hear is about Civil Rights Act of 1866. What they're deciding is whether that law will have to, you'll have to apply the but for standard, which is basically you got to prove uh, racism is 100% of the reason versus the motivating factor. Racism is one of the reasons. Comcast is trying to eviscerate this law. Comcast owns NBC Universal, who owns Focus Features. Focus Features is the company putting this film out. I called for a boycott. NAACP, a local chapter out of New Jersey, joined in as a result of ADOS's project takeover, moving in and actually uh, making clear to the president what the national NAACP should have been doing. The national NAACP did not join in on a boycott of Harriet. The national Urban League did not join in on a national boycott of Harriet. I heard nothing from people in the 1619 Project. I heard nothing from NARC, despite the fact that this was going on. But still, but still, we, we allowed this movie to come out and these people to put this movie out. So let me just point out the irony again. You have Harriet Tubman, the Underground Railroad, her biopic being put out by a company that a month later will attack the civil rights she fought for in a real Supreme Court using the DOJ, Donald Trump's DOJ, as part of their support team. They will actually argue for 10 minutes with Comcast against our civil rights. And none of these orgs actually felt it was necessary to, to fight back against this film. In fact, academics told us, well, that's a separate issue and can't define why it's a separate issue. We Welcome back to the Mr. Dialogue Talk Show. I'm your host, Montoya Smith, a.k.a. Black Socrates, along with special guest co-host, Krista Gaynell, our special guest is Dr. Kelly Carter-Jackson for this morning's discussion question. Harriet, the movie, support her story or Hollywood trash as we spent most of the hour talking about the movie itself as we just hear a different issue brought forward by Antonio Moore in reference to the timing of this movie in the sense that it is coming out being, in a sense, funded by Comcast as we just did a show a little over a month ago about the Byron Allen versus Comcast Supreme Court case that will be heard on November the 13th. And it literally is putting, unfortunately, a government contracting and things of that nature, the ability to, in a sense, sue for discrimination. It is possible that that will be put at risk and Comcast, in a sense, benefits by us attending and going, in a sense, to this movie. As I said, personally, um, I particularly chose to participate because, as I said a few weeks ago when we did that show, that this is the most monumental Supreme Court case of our lifetime, in my opinion, as African Americans. And while I will be honest and say, typically, I've always been an advocate of seeing movies, even though I'm you know, around people who say, I don't go see, quote-unquote, slave movies. I've always advocated that we should see them, that they are opportunities for our children to learn some version of history, as Christy alluded to you know, previous to the break. So I've always been in that position this particular time due to this monumental case and that there is a possibility that some momentum can affect whether Comcast continues to go forward, 
represent, a representative just recently called for them to not continue to go forward with this case. But I'll kind of let that both of you jump in when you, in a sense, hear, in a sense, I think is in a sense, bad timing for this particular film based on what I'm talking about. And I don't think any of that part is about whether somebody likes or dislikes the film, in my opinion. Dr. Kelly Carter Jackson, if you will, Queen, any thoughts on hearing, in a sense, the, I say, unfortunate timing of this particular movie based on what's going on in the landscape? Yeah, I think it's really troubling that people are using this film as a pawn. Um, and and I don't think that this boycott is going to be successful or effective at all. I think that to, to think about all the things that Comcast produces and then to dwindle it down to just this one film and say that's how we're going to boycott. Comcast does not care about that. Comcast is going to get paid regardless of how this film does. If anything, in not going to the film, you send the message not to Comcast but to Hollywood that says we don't care when black women are at the center of the film and we don't care when black women are heroes in the film. Like, that's the message that you're sending. I think that it would have been so much more important if instead of saying, here's what we're going to boycott, saying, here's what we're going to do. We're going to run a voter registration drive, right? Because how many people that are participating in this boycott voted in the November elections or will vote in the next elections, right? That, to me, is a really big deal. Like, you can't tell me the Supreme Court case is everything and you're going to boycott, and you don't vote, and you don't go to town meetings, and you don't participate in your state, local, or national political uh, institutions. That makes no sense to me. So Furthermore, let me, let me in the ask world you this, that we live in, let me, let, go ahead, go ahead, go ahead. There's nothing in the world that we live in, there are very few companies that you can boycott successfully, and two, very few that you can um, very few objects that you can own, very few things that you can do in this world, and to operate outside of problematic companies. The cell phones that you use are problematic. The Jordans that you wear are problematic. The clothes that are made from, you know, child slave labor in the Philippines are problematic. But we just happened to pick this one film. I'm not saying that boycotts aren't useful. I'm saying they're only useful if they're effective. And I don't think this is an effective use of time or resources in terms of how we get our message across and most importantly in terms of how we get free as black people. So let me throw this out because we have a short time with Dr. Carter Jackson. Christy, I'll definitely get your thoughts on it if we have time before the hour. We'll definitely continue the conversation after the top of the hour. So a lot of what you said, and I kind of mentioned this to you even prior to the show, that for the most part, I would agree with you for the most part on the things that you said. Rarely can we even do a boycott where it's not problematic with all of these companies. Typically, when you talk about boycotts, it's usually based on, you know, our community getting upset about something that was recently done. And so I in particular, think boycotts of that nature are ineffective. Myself and Kristen, we've done shows particularly about particular boycotts, and I think she and I differ on how effective they are. I typically 
am of the light that they are not effective. I see this one as different. I just want to share with you, in a sense, how and why I see it as different and that there is some level of effectiveness, which is why I am in support of it. And it's just from this it's from this standpoint, and, again, I've kind of mentioned it already, based on the timing, and there's some more films that are about to come out as well under this same, under this same um, you know, financing, if you will, if you're saying Comcast is kind of the funder of Focus Films, if you will. Well, the timing is, again, I think this is a, 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 a Supreme Court case that can set extreme precedence for our ability to do business in this country as African Americans. And so what they have effectively done, possibly, um, with even, for example, the film hitting 12 million, it's kind of, in a sense, been seen as a success hitting 12 million. I think the expectations were between seven to nine, and so it outdid the expectations um, per se. The life of a film, so the idea of the boycott is if they, in a sense, shorten life due to this boycott happening, at becomes, in a sense, a... A, in a sense, a, an attack from different areas. So you have the attack of some legislators jumping in and saying, hey, Comcast, don't bring this case forward. And so to find out that if the numbers do slow down over the course of the next weekend, and I'm not, again, I'm not saying I'm happy about this, but at the, based on the timing and what's at stake for this case, if the numbers do slow down because of a boycott that was recently called, and, again, the national didn't jump on it, but some particular um, local NAACPs have jumped on it. So if there is a groundswell, it would show that, A, the community actually does care about this situation more than we thought. Like we're not going to just be able to march to the Supreme Court with the support of the Trump administration asking for this language to be but changed. That's not, that's we're not, not going to be able to works. march. Go ahead, go that's ahead. That's not how – Comcast is not going to look at the cell of Harriet and say, you know what, maybe we should withdraw our case. That is not how it works. Like, if you are going to attack Comcast, you don't attack them where it doesn't matter. You attack them where it really hurts. And this film is not going to make a blip of difference. When you think about so when you say where it really hurts, where would you su- like when you say where does it really hurt? Like, what are you suggesting? In that, you know, in I that sense, where, where that would cancel your Comcast subscriptions, get rid of that cable, <laughs> <laughs> and literally I mean, from and, and literally oh from five God, weeks ago, that's that. what that's what people are doing. People are doing that as well. So I, I I'm a big believer in if there's a a will, you use every prong that you use. You don't the will is stronger with even every prong. Has to be boycotts have to be there has to be a strategy and a, and a concerted collective organization around it in order to make it effective. If you think about the Montgomery bus boycott, it wasn't just two or three or a few people that said, we're taking our labor or we're taking our, our transportation and we're going elsewhere. They participated in that Montgomery bus boycott for over a year pre-Uber, they carpooled, they walked, they bicycled, they found other means of transportation, so much so that when they actually won their case, it felt hollow because they had been 
carpooling or walking or finding alternatives for over a year. There is not enough time between now and the Supreme Court case to have an effective um, economic drop in the Comcast bucket in terms of how they would see this playing out. There's no film that's going to have them lose their quarterly profits. It's just not going to happen. Can I say? Yeah, the, yeah, yeah. I, I respect so, that. I respect that. I will say the goal is not quarterly profits. It's literally particular to this film at this time. I'm not, and it's not about you know agreeing with it, but I'm just saying uh-huh. that's not the perspective. And I do think they've taken the Montgomery approach versus just calling for a boycott. It's not. No. It's not yep. one time just to throw it out there. But I definitely want to respect your time. I'll give you, you know, obviously give you your last thought because I know you have to go. So any oh, other I thought, and we'll go to our top of the hour break. Go ahead, Queen. Thank you so much for having us on, being on with us, I should say. And if you will, make sure you give out your information for how people can get a hold of your book after giving your final thought. Go ahead, Queen. Uh, me? You know, oh, yeah. Oh, uh, um, I will say, that, first of all, thank you for having me on the show. I really appreciate being a part of this conversation and being able to take time from some of your listeners to, who, who um, are listening to the show. It just means everything to me. I will say if you are interested in purchasing um, – for some freedom, you can go to the UPenn Press website. If you type in PP20, as in PP20, you can get 20% off. You can also uh, purchase it on Amazon or Barnes & Noble or wherever books are sold. I appreciate the love and support. Uh, if you're in the Memphis area next week, I'll be speaking at the National Civil Rights Museum in Memphis at 6 o'clock on Thursday and doing a book signing as well. Um, and I will – the last thing I want to say is just to encourage people to go see the movies. Don't just take your daughters. Take your sons. I think it's a powerful film. I think it is something that you will leave feeling uplifted knowing that there were people who did – Really, really hard, incredible, amazing work long before we were even an idea and that we still benefit from the labors of Harriet Tubman. I highly suggest seeing it, but I say don't let watching the film be the the end of your work. Let it be the beginning. Read books. Erica Armstrong Dunbar has a new book called She Came to Slay, all about the life and times of Harriet Tubman. There are two other biographies that have been written by great women historians about Harriet Tubman's life. There's lots of information. There's even a new podcast called Following Harriet. I highly encourage people to listen to that as well. Find out as much as you can about this woman and then make your decision from there. Hey, I love it. I wish we could have you for another hour. So much more to still unpack, but I know you got family obligations, so I thank you for still <laughs> uh, a few minutes, you, so of, you know, for our time because there's so much more I want to, you know, discuss with you. But me and Christy will carry on this battle for the next hour, Queen. Without you, thank you so much for being with us. We'll be thank right you. back. You're listening. Uh, absolutely, you're listening to the Mental Dialogue Talk Show. Where all I ask is that you think. My name is Montoya Smith, a.k.a. Black Socrates. I am the owner and facilitator of the Mental Dialogue Community Support Group focused on practical solutions and the collective thinking of the black community. We do that one of two ways, every third Friday, 7 p.m. at Urban Grind, or Saturday mornings, the Mental Dialogue Talk Show, 10 a.m. to 12 p.m. Eastern Standard Time. Contact us at mentaldialogue.com or on Facebook at Mental Dialogue. All I ask is that you think. 
Welcome back to the Mental Dialogue Talk Show. I'm your host, Montoya Smith, a.k.a. Black Socrates. This morning's discussion question, Harriet the Movie, Support Her Story, or Hollywood Trash. Back with us is my longtime co-host, Christy Gaynell. We just had a great hour with Dr. Kelly Carter Jackson, who had to leave us. And so now it's you and me, Christy, one time for our classic face-off. And so as I'm listening oh to you some of what you what you said previous to the previous to the break, I I will say um, a little a, a little intriguing to me considering uh, again as I mentioned real quickly prior to the break that historically between you and I when we've done our boycott shows together you know you have been the fan of using boycotts whereas I've typically said they they. They are ineffective, in my opinion. I think this particular one is somewhat effective, but I think I hear you oh. saying you don't agree with this one, or maybe I heard you wrong. Go ahead, Queen. No, you heard me so right. I think this boycott epitomizes black ignorance on every level. Like, this is akin to people who protest and burn down their own neighborhood. Why would you protest a movie made by black people, written by black people, directed by black people, starring black people. You are legitimately protesting your people as a way to get back at white corporations. It is the biggest piece of propaganda I've ever, like, I don't even understand the logic in boycotting this of all movies. It's insanity that you would think that (laughs) – you guys would benefit and Comcast would somehow lose by the boycott of this movie. All that does is instill to a greater degree in Hollywood that black movies don't make money. So guess what? They're going to stop supporting black films. They're going to stop supporting the black interest. Right now, we're on a high of, okay, black movies are selling because of what happened with Black Panther. And then you come, the next black movie that comes out that has like this whole gamut of black people participating in its production and black people are boycotting it what i cannot express in great enough detail the insanity of that thought process looks like we have a caller out there if you're on the line and want to get in please press one to let us know that you want to speak Again, you will need to press one. If you're just listening, no problem. If you want to get in, you will need to press one. Let's open up the phone lines. I wasn't able to do it as much because I wanted to take full advantage of the first hour with Dr. Kelly Carter Jackson. So the phone line for anybody that's online listening, the number to get in is six four six seven eight seven one six nine one. Again, that number is six four six seven eight seven one six nine one. And you will need to press one. And so was the cut that you heard, Christy, about what's going on with Byron Allen and Comcast, just to understand a perspective, was that your first time being aware of that? Because, again, how, or how aware are you of that issue? Because I definitely want to speak, if you, if you think about what I'm saying and if you think about my history, one who has pretty much never advocated for the different various boycotts that we've had as a community, and I hope you would be curious as to why Montoya, who's typically, I mean, I literally have a video about how ineffective no. national boycotts are. So, so are you familiar? Are you familiar like, with what's going on with that? 
I'm sorry. Go ahead. I, I'm not. Regardless of that, I'm just saying. I don't care. You can't say regardless because that's the. They, you gotta, it has to be. You have to understand that's a part of the thinking here. So I'm just asking how familiar you are with. Comcast Corporation has a ton of affiliate products and things that they have money invested in, and a lot of them are all mm-hmm. created and done by white people. Boycott every single one of them. But don't boycott your own people. Every boycott that was ever done historically has not been to boycott black people. I mean, we've done a lot of stuff to tear down black neighborhoods, but the Montgomery boycott even wasn't having, you're not boycotting your own people. And then I think in the sense of not going to see Harriet, you're essentially boycotting your own people. Fair enough. So let me talk about, no, please go ahead. Now, I was just saying it's counterintuitive to say um, in support of this one black person, we're going to boycott all of these other black people. Right. It's just so <laughs> I don't understand. Oh, yeah. So, no, yeah, I'm, yeah, I'm, I'm going to give you the you – know, it's all about agreeing, but I definitely want to give you the thought process behind those of us who have agreed to boycott at this time. So what's happening is if we were to, again, if we were to do what you suggested, which is boycott everything else. Now, for me, that moves it back into the ineffective idea. And you don't, and I know you don't, I know you think we can't effectively do national boycott. So it's not about you agreeing with it, but understand that that type of boycott would be completely ineffective, in my opinion, based on, as I've all, as you've heard me say in the past, based on our numbers per se, that becomes, in my opinion, a drop in the bucket to say, all right, we're boycotting everything else Comcast does and make a point. The effectiveness of saying while you are literally putting our ability to sue for discrimination at risk, it becomes effective when we say not only are we canceling our subscriptions, but we are not going to even find that. We're not even going to continue to put money in your pocket. We're canceling subscriptions. Like literally that came out of the the show five, six weeks ago. Like literally I got people saying, oh, wow, I didn't understand this was going on. I'm canceling my Comcast. People are doing that. But in addition, we're going to effectively, even when you put films out about us, we are so upset about what you're doing overall as a company because you're putting our entire community at risk. We are willing to, we're not going to accept this as some type of you're, you're, you're presenting yourself with diversity. Let me, matter of fact, let me give you this example and I want to hear your response to this. So as I mentioned, there was a, just recently a senator Call for, in fact, let me just kind of read it to you real quick. So, let me get his name correctly. So, Congressman, for example, uh, Representative, not Senator, I'm sorry, but uh, Congressman Bobby Rush, he just recently did this. um, Blasted Comcast calling for the breakup of the major cable government for attempting to undo the Civil Rights Act of 1866. He said, It is evident to me with the demonstration of corporate greed, Comcast has forfeited forfeited and repudiated its claim to be an inclusive company that it is a friend of the black community and with this portrayal has shown itself to be an enemy of 
minority communities. It is my belief that the Comcast Corporation needs to be broken up. This is recently coming from a representative um, out of Illinois. Comcast's response to this was, there is no major media company in America that has done more to promote diverse programming than Comcast. We've gone above and beyond the MOUs from, from the NBC Universal Transaction in every case. Our film divisions are making films like us, Get Out, Straight Outta Compton, Harriet, Girls Trip, Little, and Queen of Slim, all with African-American directors and stars. We've dramatically increased on air and behind the camera diversity across all of NBC Universal. One piece of more piece of context, and I'll definitely let you respond. So the reason that this case is getting to the Supreme Court is because they've lost twice to Byron Allen, who has sued them for discriminatory practices. And he is alleged, for example, during the case that an executive apparently made this statement. You find it. It says, Allen further claims that a Comcast executive explained the decision by saying, we don't need any more Bob Johnsons. And you know, Bob Johnson, of course, was the founder of BET that eventually sold to Viacom. And so when you put all that in the context, what you're hearing is as long as we're funding it, we're filming it, we'll put out diverse stuff, that gets us off the hook. But ultimately, your chance for ownership, we want to take that away from you. Your chance to tell your own stories with your own dollars, we want to make sure you're not in that space. And so that's what's happening. And it's not about, again, it's not to agree, but I definitely want you to understand that the context of having to make this sacrifice for a film, I would admittedly would like to see, but given that choice, given that it seems like they're trying to take away ownership, then this is a, a much simpler sacrifice than, for example, the Montgomery boycott, boycott, bus boycott, where I'm having to find a way to work, work and make a whole, a bigger sacrifice. So this ends up being a simple sacrifice in an attempt to make a point. So that's where it's coming from, even though we it's are, as you said, Christy. Go, go ahead. It's not reality. The reality is they're not trying to take away ownership because ownership doesn't exist. They're trying to prevent ownership. And just because they've been doing that for years, there's, there's never been a time historically where they have not tried to prevent ownership. Now they're just, you know, in a position where they have to say it out loud because somebody's in a position where they can try to get ownership. We haven't even really had people who were capable or had enough money or whatever to participate on that level. So now that we have someone who's like, okay, I'm in a position to participate on this level, and they're saying, no, we don't want your participation, they've been saying that forever. It's never been a time historically where that has not been the case. That's what redlining is. That's like there's, there's That's what all these you know projects are for. They've always said, we don't want your dollars in our community. We don't want your dollars. We don't want you controlling yourself. That's why they burned down Black Wall Street. Like, there's never been a time historically where they've said, hey, you know what? We're going to allow you guys to come in and participate and grow. But by boycotting black films, all you're doing is taking food and money out of the mouths of other black people who could also help stand up in support of 
what Byron Allen is trying to do. Like, why would you do that? That doesn't make sense. Well, yeah, but Allen wants this boycott for this very purpose. So, you know, so understand that, you know, that's how he sees it. We're, I'm going to do another break, and we'll come back and continue this discussion. That is the crab's If you're out there on the theory. phone line, if you're, if you're, he needs to win the case. I don't, like, who's crabbing the bucket? If he's, he's but you saying, like, he needs you to, well, him winning the case is not contingent upon the Harriet film not doing well. Again, another prong in his wheel. Let's go to the break. We'll continue this discussion. For the phone caller, please press 1 if you want to get in on this discussion. We'll be right back. You're listening to the Mental Dialogue Talk Show. For all I ask is that you think. Karate for Children is offered every Sunday at Mount Vernon Presbyterian Church Gymnasium from 2.45 to 4.15 p.m. for ages 5 to 14 years old. Children will learn Japanese karate as well as self-defense prevention skills to handle today's situation like bullying and child abductions. For only $10 a class, children will gain confidence, self-control, and focus, all while having fun and getting good physical fitness. There are no bench warmers because everyone participates. Come join our family every Sunday at 471 Mount Vernon Highway, Northeast, Sandy Springs, Georgia, 30328. For more information, call B-Champs at 770-643-1286. Again, that number is 770-643-1286. Welcome back to the Mental Dialogue Talk Show. I'm your host, Montoya Smith, a.k.a. Black Socrates, along with special guest co-host Christy Gaynell. This morning's discussion question, Harriet, the movie, Support her story or Hollywood trash is the second hour we've delved into what I would say the bigger issue of the boycott being called by ADOS in reference to the Byron Allen case. So first hour we spent kind of dialoguing about the worthiness of the movie. I feel like Christy and Dr. Kelly Carter Jackson had to say, I think, provided beautiful perspectives, especially for those who – who haven't seen the film. I think that I think y'all provided a lot of context having seen the film. I myself admittedly have not seen the film due to my participation in the boycott due to again the Supreme Court case that'll be heard in just a, less than seven days in reference to the Civil Rights Act of eighteen sixty six. I particularly, as I've said, think they go hand in hand and I see this particular boycott as another prong on the attempt to give enough momentum and notice for Comcast to understand we don't want to take your token of you will finance our movies when there's a law on the book that allows us to participate in ownership, and that's how Byron has effectively (laughs) won his cases, you know, in the lower courts twice, and now they are taking him to court because he has won his cases. And so I look at it kind of what we were talking about, Christy, and this is maybe not the best analogy, but if you recall the issue maybe a year ago with Starbucks with the, you know, the young men that were asked to pretty much arrested just for sitting there and using the Wi-Fi or whatever you recall that situation and all the memes that circulated 
after Starbucks agreed to do a diversity, like a one-day diversity training, and, you know, every every all the employees across the nation were off to participate in this one-day diversity training. And so that's somewhat of the perspective of how, as you heard Comcast brag about how we put out all of these diverse films and how we continue to do that, and we are champions in that. People are looking at that. Some people are not. Obviously, you're not, and everybody's not feeling like I feel. But there are plenty of people who are looking at it similar to who will give you this token thing that perpetrates diversity. However, when you have a chance, which I think this law does, has a chance at ownership, then we're being put in a pickle of being given a choice, which one do we do? You know, no different than when people were calling for boycotting Walmart and people saying, well, there are plenty of black people that work work at Walmart. So it ends up being what is your what which one will be your sacrifice? And unfortunately, it's not abnormal for any time there is a call for boycott that that's what's going to happen, that there will be blacks who are hurt. So, again, I'm just putting all of it in context, not even necessarily not making an argument against you. Go ahead, Queen. You guys are making it seem like it's a one or the other, like there's a choice. Like you're saying, I don't want your token because I want this. And I'm saying, I want your token and I want ownership. And the idea that there can't be both is very limiting in its scope, and it's hurtful to the people who, you know, Comcast, has supported. I'm saying I, I want Byron Allen to to win. I want him to have ownership, but I don't think us boycotting these black films is going to change that verdict in one way or the other, especially when, you know, you have a company like that saying, you know, um, we're putting out these black films. We're helping trying to support African-American art and we're hiring directors and we're hiring them. Okay, great. Keep doing that and give us ownership, not I'm going to boycott you doing that because I would rather ownership. I don't want one or the other. I want both. And when you boycott and say we don't want this one, you create a scenario where you can possibly end up with neither. So that's this is the exact same pickle of the, boy, of the bus boycott that we famously talk about. Again, 381 days. And you have people that, you know, and everybody didn't participate, right? But enough did to effectively, and it still took an entire year, you know, in in that particular situation. But you definitely had those who didn't participate that says, I have to put food on the table. I have to get to work. And so that, in order to get that to change, that was the sacrifice. And so while if we, if it you don't even have to make the fight if there's a potential for and. But this situation is we we will be happy with the films that you continue to put out, and it makes it easier for them to go forward and change, possibly change the the law, the language of the law, or at least how it's interpreted. I should say they're not going to change the language, but they're going to re- look. They're for, they're asking for it to be re- reinterpreted different different, and so. Given that choice, I'm not. I am not willing to say, "Well, we'll take the films that puts more money in your pocket over you changing how this 
like, so I am willing to show you what I am willing to sacrifice, over. just as those riders said, I will sacrifice my way to work, plenty even having to change jobs due to the boy bus boycott. I will make that sacrifice to be, get to the bigger picture. So the if and, it, unfortunately, it doesn't come by way of hoping, hoping. I'm sorry, go ahead. There is a guarantee that by not seeing these films or not supporting these actors that you're going to win this uh, fight, then fine, right? But when you're risking the possibility of both losing the support of black films and black artistry and still losing the fight, why? What, what do you gain by that? So that's that's what sacrifice is about. The sacrifice is it was they that's didn't the know that it was going they, they didn't know it was going to take 381 days for it to end. That there was you know I, I remember my grandfather I remember my grandfather in South Carolina sacrifice while you're boycotting Harriet, which is a movie that basically details the sacrifice that she made in order for us to be free. So you said if there's a guarantee, do you understand that when you make these sacrifices or attempt to do this, you do this without – that's the sacrifice, without a guarantee that you would win. But yeah, what I'm we're talking saying about, is you, it's what, not necessary. Like you can – he's already so how do So when you say it's not necessary, do you – are you disregarding the case for what is worth. Let me tell you what an attorney said, Melissa. Let me see if I make it, get her name correctly. Just to, again, I think you said it's not familiar with the case or whatever, but here's what um, attorney Melissa Murray said about this case. She said, This case is bigger than Byron Allen and Comcast. The statute protects yes. the rights of billionaires like Allen and middle and working class African Americans to be free of racial discrimination in contracting which might include everything from a cable distribution contract to an employment contract to even an apartment lease. So it's much bigger than film. This is not about film right. at all. I don't I don't I don't lightheartedly say I hate missing this film. I would have liked to have this discussion today having seen the film as Dr. Carter Jackson wanted me to do. It was a fair request by her. But I am asking, and it's not, I'm, again, I'm not saying this for you to agree, but I do want you to understand that the sacrifice is being made without a guarantee, which is how every sacrifice for any boycott that was effective, and again, I think they're effective when they're done locally. I think there's a chance for this one being effective because we are willing to say, while you are about to bring this case, we don't want your token right now. Again, no guarantee. But that is a sacrifice that I am willing to make. You may be right about whether it's effective, or I may be right that it gets the attention. But I have to make the sacrifice based on the importance of the case that you just heard Attorney um, Melissa Murray mention that this could affect discrimination on all levels, not just film. But what, what you're I'm not sorry, understanding that I'm saying is. I'm not against the boycott of Comcast or any of Comcast subsidiaries. Like, I'm for that. But I think 
it's also important in the midst of boycotting Comcast and Comcast subsidiaries to try and make this point that we also show our willingness to support African Americans and their endeavors simultaneously. And I think just because Harriet was, you know, possibly partially financed by a subsidiary of Comcast, that doesn't fully financed, fully financed. No, I'm sure it wasn't fully financed, but at least maybe. Yes, it's fully. Yeah, they they, they they own Focus Films. They own Focus Films. That doesn't mean that that's where all the financing came from. Okay, well, they, okay, either, okay, either way. So I don't want to make that the particular point, but the money goes. Point, my, a lot my, of the money goes is, back to Comcast. I think I think we make a bigger statement when we say I'm going to support my own while also trying to. You know, while also boycotting everything else that you do, I don't. I think that that statement is more powerful than saying I'm going to boycott everything you do, including whatever is necessary or harming my own people. And I, I again, I say to me, it's akin to rioting in your own city and <laughs> blowing up and burning down local businesses because you want change, like. I've never understood the logic behind that. Apparently, there are a lot of black people. Well, when you say never, when you say you never understood the logic behind it, let me let me let me ask you. On which I want anyone to understand exactly what you mean with that. I don't think we have an example of what you're talking about. So, I'm, but maybe we do. I'm so about, like, tell me, because I don't understand. Riots. When you say you I'm never. About, okay, gotcha. I'm talking about all of the riots that have happened historically, where you see black people burning down their own community because they're fed up or they're tired or they're frustrated or whatever. They don't like the way a verdict went, the OJ trial, right? You see, okay, OJ, OJ got, you know, whatever happened. Was it that one where the LA riots happened? And I'm just like, no, well, it, it was before the OJ trial. It was, it was actually, King. yeah, when just from the beating. Yeah, it was the it was the but yeah it was the Rodney cops King, when they got off for beating King, him. Yeah, so we're ahead. gonna burn down our whole neighborhood. Now we're mad about the violent Allen, so we're gonna burn down our own movie. It's the same thing, and I'm just like, at what point are we gonna say, hey, we deserve more than this? Let's stop. Don't step burn down their stuff. Burn down Comcast. I don't care, but don't take the black people with you. So, okay, so you're saying that after hearing what I've said, that this was, it, this was, those situations are obviously volatile situations that kind of burst based out of frustration. I think we both understand that. Again, I'm not justifying them. We just know that that's done reactionary, right? So you're, you're saying that those reactionary situations are the same as this when this is a strategic choice to say we will not fund you while you're trying to take away our ability to sue for discrimination because, unfortunately, it's only in movie, but you know how legal precedents work. Once this is done, this will be a court case that will be used by all industries to basically ineffectively rule out the ability to claim discrimination even though it may have happened. If that language happens – Everything's at risk, and so you're so so. Do you at least understand? It's not a reactionary. It, this was strategically thought out to say we're not okay with your dollars while you're putting this at risk. No, you know, yeah, so, I, I think it ahead, was strategically thought out, but I think it's propaganda. I think that there's somebody who's pushing propaganda, saying this is the strategy. 
us to believe that this strategy is a beneficial way to affect the changes that we want to this, see. No, this and is I the strategy. Is not. I mean, like that's for somebody who thought of the strategy. It they're not. It is a strategy, and I think that the strategy is full of propaganda that's going to lead you to believe that you can gain more benefits by hurting yourselves. I mean, that's what they've been doing to us for centuries, right? Like, yes, you benefit, but you're going to have to harm yourself in the process. That's like, you know, the overseers beating slaves. Let me, let me do this. Let me, let me, let me do this. Let me do this, let me do this break. Let me do this break, and you get that example. Let me do the break, and let me give you get that example after the break. You're listening to the Mental Dialogue Talk Show. We'll be right back. Well, all I ask is that you think. Hey, where did you get that hat and T-shirt? I like that. Oh, I got this at MoneyMotivation.com. It's fresh, right? Yes, and I love the message on it, too. You are the hustle, huh? That's what the shirt says. I am the hustle. They embody the entrepreneurial spirit, and what I like the most, it's more than a brand. It's a lifestyle for those who want to put in the work and expect to have the final things in life. I also follow them on Instagram. Check this post out. If you believe money is the root of all evil, you're using it wrong? Or how about this one? Excuses made $0 an hour. I like those. What's their IG? At moneymotivation.co. But do they have any ladies gear? Yes, you're going to love the clothing line they got for the ladies. Matter of fact, pull up their website, moneymotivation.com, and I'm going to get you a few things so we can both look like money. Everywhere I go, go. And everywhere I be, be. I don't even talk, talk. They still know it's me. Because I look like money. Smell like money. Talk like money. Even walk like money. Welcome back to the Mr. Dialogue Talk Show. I'm your host, Montoya Smith, a.k.a. Black Sox Tees, along with special guest co-host Christy Gaynell. This morning's discussion question, Harriet, the movie, support her story, or Hollywood trash? If you want to get in, the number is 646 Seven eight seven one six nine one. You do need to press one to let us know you want to speak. I think you were given an example before the break. Go ahead, Queen. Yeah, I was. Anytime you have people telling you that in order to get ahead, you're going to have to hurt your people, you have to look at that a little bit more closely. I mean, that's the same thing we've been doing. Ever, right? I'm going to beat my kids. The cops don't beat them. I'm going to beat my kids. The overseers don't beat them. I'm going to cause our community harm so that we can get ahead. And like at some point, I feel like we have to look at the insanity of this, uh, this logic being placed on and understand the propaganda behind it and realize that it's keeping us in a certain mindset where we can only get so far when there's so much further we can go, but we have these limiting beliefs that we can only get this far and we can only get there by this means. And I'm just like, we have to, like, stop living within the propaganda structure that they're creating for us and really go aspect of what we want. And it doesn't well, mean well, to say, I'm not going to support this because I want this. It says, I'm going to support this and I want that. I want us to stop saying, I'm this because But how do you get, how do you get that based on that. the circumstances? And here's a, here's a question for you based on, again, me just knowing the history of, you being, for example, in support of, you know, boycotts in the past, you know, again, not not this type of boycott because I understand your difference. Your clear difference is, you know, you, we're, we're clearly boycotting our film, so you've never been in support of those. I don't want to 
get that part twisted. But what I'll say is when I hear your argument, it sounds similar to, and I never made this argument, but I've definitely seen people make this argument. So, for example, I kind of mentioned Walmart, which, so, for example, when you are in support of a boycott of Walmart, for example, if that was called or, you know, that, that has been called sometimes in the past. And, again, you being a fan of national boycotts, again, there is a huge difference this time. But the particular Walmart, part of what so you're saying now, sounds, it, sounds, it sounds similar. But no, it sounds, I'm just, I want to clarify. Like what you're saying sounds similar to somebody who might say to you, Christy, in, that, in, in one of those examples, well, Walmart employs a whole bunch of black people, so you're going to hurt them. So I'm saying what you're saying is what will, will get said to you when you're in support of a national brand that employs a lot of black people, but you typically are in support of those boycotts. I feel like you're making the exact same well, argument that well, somebody would say to you. The difference is Walmart's not really supporting black people. If you're underpaying people, right, and you're you're not paying them enough where that they can actually live and actually support their family and actually buy the stuff that they're selling in your stores, then that's not really doing justice to them, is it? And that's how we feel about this for those of us who are supporting this. Our equivalent argument to you is we want ownership and to complete, continue putting dollars in your pocket while we want ownership makes those of us who agree with the boycott, we think it makes us look like jokes. Like you're not proving. We always say the best way to do is prove it with your dollars. What better way to make a statement than we won't accept your token of a, whatever why you want to call this. a statement while also Go supporting ahead. your people. Like I'm just saying by, by seeing the movie – you're supporting black directors. You're supporting black actors and actresses. You're supporting black writers. I mean, and so you, so you, I mean, you, but you do understand. I am not wanting to hurt them. So, but you, you know, are. Like, you, you know, since, so, right, right, but, so, but what I'm saying is, what I'm saying is, if you understand that I'm not wanting to hurt them, then to to reiterate that I'm helping them to support them. Doesn't I, you just said it's not going to speak to, but in a sense, our why or my why for the, we think this is the bigger picture. Now again, it's not if you understand what I'm saying was we, when we say we think this is the bigger picture. Do do you at least understand you're not going to appeal to someone that's in my position by just simply saying you're hurting the directors and those actors because we understood that, that before yes. we. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So I'm just saying, yeah, so if you get that, then to continue saying to me, for example, that I'm hurting them or that I'm – or I think you're saying you're helping them by supporting them, do you, if, then you have to understand that's not going to effectively help me see what your, your, your side – what I would want to understand is you said we could do both. I have no idea how we could do it and while putting money in Comcast's pocket. So I, I, if, you, if you could help me understand how to do that, I might listen to that type of strategy. Just because you, just because you boycott a cable company and a movie doesn't mean you're not still putting money in Comcast's pocket. Comcast has its fingers and hands in so many things that you participate in and do and deal with and buy every single day that you're not even aware of. 
that you saying I'm not going to put money in their pocket. You so are now if you say that, then why have you ever supported a boycott then in the past? Like you, again, I know you're not a particular of this one, but your, that logic means you should never support any boycott. And I know you have in the past. I'm typically against them. Why, why you do you say like that I logic Right, I'm just saying that typically you you think national boycotts are effective. You know, I, I know you felt that in the past, but if what you're saying now is that you're still going to put money no matter what, which I'm not saying you're wrong about, but I'm just saying if you're going to present that argument to me right now, then I've never would then I can't understand why you've ever thought a national boycott could be effective if that's the argument you're going to present to me now. That argument should be why you don't, in my opinion, not support national boycotts of other brands because typically that is the reality for us as African-Americans that regardless of the boycott that you call for, you're still typically putting money in some of the very same people that you're trying to boycott. So I'm just saying you using Wait, that argument now doesn't make a lot of sense. I I supported? Well, I mean, again, when we do, remember when we, done the, when we did the show about how effective – the in, in, like the, we did the show together about the NFL boycott or whatever, and in that show, I presented why I didn't think national boycotts were effective at all, and you stood by the position that they are effective. Like on, they you know, be. and then we did another show on. Go, I'm sorry, go ahead. I'm saying, I'm saying they I'm can sorry. be effective. They're not always effective, but they definitely can be effective. If you have right. So my people. question is, well, what you're saying now that you're still going to put money in these people's pockets, why would you ever you think that a national boycott could? No, 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 I'm not, I'm not, I'm not disagreeing with that. No, hear my point. Hear my point. I'm not saying. I've already said. I do agree. You're not doing the research no, 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 to find no. out where they can be hurt the most, and that's then the going research. after them that's, in that that's area. Why you're that's why it's been super strategic. You can be hurt the most, and going after them in that area. You're going after the area where you hurt yourself, not where you hurt the corporation. And my thing is. If you want to hurt the corporation, go after the spot where they can feel it, not where you will feel it. You, that's like shooting yourself in the head. And, and, and saying, if that, and if that spot and is then hoping that they suffer, they're not going to suffer. It, if that spot is ineffective, then what? Because again, I but again, I am of the belief that boycotting nationally is super ineffective. Poignant, local, focused boycotts are effective, and this is very strategic to say we won't accept your token to make that point because I think it ends up being counterintuitive to say we don't want you to do this while giving you our money. <laughs> Guys are so funny. I'm so sick of I don't understand how it gets to be so funny. Like you, like you, like you, because you're buying. How does that? How is that funny? Canada's being sold to you. Like, but when you say, but we, no, this this wasn't handed to us. Information. Yes, it was. That let me tell you who. Let me tell you who. So you know. That's why when you use the word propaganda, it confuses me. This is coming from us. This is a decision that myself, Killer Mike, who are saying. Stand with Byron Allen based on what's at risk. These are the things that these is coming strictly from us because what Comcast would like to happen is to get to the Supreme Court without any media attention. That's what they would love to happen. And we're saying no. Not only are we saying no to the extent that we don't accept your token. And, and that's the risk 
that we're willing to take. But ain't nobody wanting to take money out of our pockets. Nobody's wanting to do that, but that's the sacrifice to make the point. We may win, we may not, but I'm not going to not win because I didn't take a concerted strategic effort because this is what it takes for me personally to even join a boycott. strategic effort, then make the effort strategic in a way that does not also harm you. Saying that I'm going to cut what off my nose option, and bite my face that's, is not a concerted strategic effort well, that will benefit no, see, I think this is flipped. See, I think it's flipped. I think a chance to keep getting films, which is something that we've pushed for historically to get more of our films to the, you know, on the screen. So that's something that we've had to push for. But I think this is flipped. I think the cutoff nose is to actually keep accepting those and hurt my face, which is we want ownership, I think is flipped in this situation. I, I think it's absolutely flipped. Continue getting, like Dr. Boyce Watson yeah, said this in reference to. Somebody wants you to think. I think that's what somebody um, wants The somebody is us, Christy. We're the no, somebody this time. Not we're, not getting, we're not getting We're not getting led by another group. Of, this. of course we are. Byron Allen's lawyers. Who do you think they are? So help me understand. So so you're saying that this man who's put forth this case that can literally open up the floodgates for opportunity for ownership because he ended up doing this in reference to another guy who, for example, was trying to start an HBCU net sports network or whatever and never could get um, even listened to by Comcast. The guy I know the guy sent Byron Allen, Byron Allen a letter. That says, hey, here's what I've been attempting to do, and it made him jump in and say, well, I got some, I got some TV stations. Let me see, you know, if they'll give me an opportunity, uh, you know, to be to be on these lines that they now have coupled with AT and T. It all goes together, and to be able to put these shows out or whatever. And what he ended up winning the case was because he says in the case there are 80 lesser companies than what I do that they've accepted on their thing. Again, we're not surprised by this. I'm not saying this from a position that they have not, as you say, I agree with you, they've always done it. And I'm just pointing out that this is not coming from someone else. This is the strategy that Byron Allen and those who are supporting him have said, hey, this is what we need to do. We need to write amicus briefs. There was, an amicus, there was no amicus briefs being written just as of two months ago. We're late already on it. We just added this as another prong. I'm, again, not telling you to agree with me, but what I will tell you is, is it not, it's not reactionary, reactionary, and it's not being presented to us by someone other than ourselves, and it's a hard decision to have to make. We'll go to the last break. And then we'll let you come out of the break. You're listening to the Mental Dialogue Talk Show. Where all I ask is that you think. We'll be right back. My name is Montoya Smith, a.k.a. Black Socrates. I am the owner and facilitator of the Mental Dialogue Community Support Group focused on practical solutions and the collective thinking of the black community. We do that one of two ways. Every third Friday, 7 p.m. at Urban Grind, or Saturday mornings, the Mental Dialogue Talk Show, 10 a.m. to 12 p.m. Eastern Standard Time. Contact us at mentaldialogue.com or on Facebook at Mental Dialogue. All I ask is that you think. 
Welcome back to the Mental Dialogue Talk Show. If you have a product or service you would like to get out to the smartest audience in all of radio, please contact me directly at 404-604-9477. I'm very appreciative of our current sponsors, Money Motivation, as well as B-Champs, doing kids, karate if you're in the Smyrna area here in Atlanta. also want to take a quick time to point out, if you are in the Atlanta area, Atlanta area, please come out and support our live event we do every third Friday at Urban Grind. It's a black-owned coffee shop here in Midtown. Next week is November the 15th. It's the Mental Dialogue Live Experience. We're going to do our game show-style debate. So if you're enjoying this back and forth between Christy and I, you can come out and join us in, in, in different various topics that affect our community and come enjoy yourselves and come network with the community club where we are absolutely doing business with one another every chance we get. So I hope you consider joining us at Urban Grind next Friday, November the 15th. With that said, Christy, I know you were ready to respond coming out of the break. Go ahead, Queen. Can you hear me? Christy, did I lose you? Sorry. Yes, I can hear you now. No. I'm, okay. I'm just, you know, you're saying that it's not reactionary, that it's a well-thought-out, organized plan or whatever and I feel like it has to be reactionary like it can't not be reactionary it is a reaction to something that you don't like that by definition makes it reactionary and I don't think that is the right reaction to the situation I think that if there was a little bit more um, thought put into this then we would see that there were other ways. But I feel like there wasn't enough research done. I feel like there wasn't enough information being presented to the forefront to say, hey, you know what, there's a way that we can do both. There's a way we can support black films, black artistry, and also harm Comcast and and prove, you know, our point that we deserve, we desire, we're worthy you know, what we're so, the and your phone just went out just now. So we last thing we heard you can say you was so. Uh, yeah, I can hear you now. We when you said so, okay. we didn't hear anything after saying, that. So didn't... I was saying I I I think the best way. I I think that there should have been more thought put into it. I think that there's a way in which we can do both: support black films, support black artistry support black artists, and also create the boycott that will be most effective in harming Comcast's bottom line and getting us the end result that we want. And I feel like to say, oh, boycotting this movie is going to be the most effective way is narrow-minded and short-sighted and, again, akin to burning down your own neighborhood. Like, I, And I feel like Comcast is somewhere like laughing at you guys because it realizes that you're hurting yourselves more than you can ever hurt them by this choice. Yeah, I don't, again, I don't think they want this in the public eye at all. So you know, definitely wouldn't agree. They you know, might not want it in the public eye, called, but they also realize so that, that well, you're that's the, yeah, that's the, so that's the point. That's the, so that's the point of the strategy. That's the point of the strategy. Is to but there are other ways to get it in the public movie. eye than boycotting a movie or this well, we're particular. Do, yeah, we're doing movie. all of them. Yeah, we're doing all of them. Yeah. Um, there's a caller the that just called in. If you're trying to get in, if I would said all of the different strategies. All the Comcast you know, movies. You're doing all of the black movies. 
Yeah, absolutely, absolutely. We're not happy. No, we are absolutely not. But not because I'm happy to do it. But it's the sacrifice that we're willing to make to make the point. For the caller that just called in, if you're trying to get in, you do need to press one to let us know that you want to speak on this morning's discussion question. Um, unfortunately, the reality of any time even attempting to use boycott as some form of strategy, one that I will continue to say throughout this show, one that I'm typically not with unless it's done locally. For the most part, when people, when our community gets upset, my personal take has always been, I think it's ineffective in most cases. Um, no guarantee that this attempt will be effective either, but there's never a guarantee even when you do make a concerted effort to boycott. I will continue to say that. Um, but with that said, I want to bring this thought to the table, which makes it very, very difficult for our community any time that we are, quote, unquote, fighting for something that should be and basically an inalienable right and we shouldn't have to continue to fight for, but obviously that's not the history um, for us in this country. So I want to share this thought that just really breaks down, you know, even while myself and Chris are even going back and forth. Um, let me see if I – this is something that um, Maria Richards, who we were fortunate enough to have on the show just a couple of weeks ago, um, she said on a Facebook post in reference to this, and this is going to be the unfortunate reality when we're in one of these fights. She says, one of the most frustrating things about systemic racism is it keeps the disenfranchised spinning in circles. For example, black Americans have been advocating for diverse representation of black screenplays, actors, writers, etc. True to the nature of business, large film company, companies, largely owned by non-African Americans, move forth with those demands. As a result, they make huge financial gains that sustains their families' wealth for generations to come. In contrast, although the majority black staff gets rich, their riches pale in comparison to the profits owners make off these successful productions. So then we have some organizations and individuals advocating for boycotts, but then you have others declaring, what about the black staffers? They stand to benefit from this too. This is the same narrative surrounding calls for a boycott of the NFL. I seriously wonder why anyone would want to spend their entire life in a perpetual circle of chaos for basic human decency. I think that really, really wraps up this circumstance and why we, you know, are in are unfortunately in difference and in disagreement on this approach because either way you end up hurting ourselves based on, in my opinion, how systemic racism works, not individual racism, which we love talking about in this country. We very rarely get into the systemic. And so the dilemma that you have a complete right to disagree with, the dilemma that someone who, like myself, agrees with this boycott is in is to make this sacrifice while hurting those black staffers, as she alluded to, being a person who historically has always advocated, have written think pieces on why we should make sure we go to our movies. Because um, you mentioned Black Panther, but I would say, even throw this out, Christy, that we've had a decent rash of diverse movies even before Black Panther. I think that that the, the, the success of those movies, in my opinion, led to 
the amount of money that they were willing to spend to put out of Black Panthers because we had had, you know, so much success with other movies really in the last decade. We, we went through a period, I've written about this, we went through a period after the 90s where we didn't get diverse movies made. They were only comedies, and that was it for almost over a decade. But now we've seen all types of movies that some we love, some we hate, but they've definitely been different stories. And, again, this is, has been a continuation of it, something, for the most part, I would have always advocated for. But in this situation, at this time, with this act being at risk, I've had to relook at that thinking and say, here's what I am willing to do to play my part in defending against this law that could affect every industry. Again, you have a right to disagree, but just understand this was no easy choice based on everything that was at stake. Go ahead, Queen. You're saying it's not an easy choice, and I'm saying it's not the only choice. And unless you're, if you're, if you're, if you're willing to sit back and rest on the, oh, I'm making the hard choice, so it has to be the right choice, and use that as a, a, a feel-good, you know, kind of like a salve, so to speak, for your injuriousness that you feel like you're doing to the people that are being hurt by that, then that's what you have to do, then fine. But what I would suggest is, look for the better choice instead of resting on the laurels that this is a hard choice. Well, yeah, what I'll tell you is I don't think it's the right choice because you don't know. I mean, the right choice is if it effectively works. So there's no aspect of feeling good about this choice. I'm not saying it's the hard choice like, oh, man, I just just what I got to do. Um, again, I don't – I agree that it's not the only choice. Again, I think it's another prong in the circle headed towards – saying, if unfortunately, if you're putting me in the pickle of more movies or ownership, I'll choose the latter due to the fact that it could lead to generational wealth versus And I'll choose current. both. I want more movies and I want ownership. I don't want one or the other. They've been giving us this one or the other bullshit for 400 years and I'm tired of us feeling like it has to be one or the other. I'm sick and tired of us accepting one or the other as the status quo. Stop dealing with one or the other. I want both. I want more movies and ownership. I want more movies. Right. So what happens with yeah, so we're, more funding. Right. So with ownership, ownership, we can do more movies and we can tell our own story. Because I, I think I mentioned with Dr. Boyce Watkins. They can says, still continue. You know, he think, they can still continue. Go ahead. Why does it have to like we're just because we have ownership doesn't mean that they're gonna stop putting out movies and that we're gonna stop watching them. It's just an added an added so that we might be better represented at the award shows or you know, in the world at large or see, I don't, like, see, I don't see I don't even wanna be a part of the concern with their award shows. This law getting reinterpreted could risk our ownership. And to me, first personally, that's everything, everything from this thing. Because now I'm not wanting uh, an, an or thing. Because what happens, I want to tell our own stories so that we don't even have to go through is 
Perry at trash based on these different dynamics. I want to finance because if you're not financing your own story, then somebody can have influence over your story. So the keep this law as it is interpreted gives us the opportunity to have ownership in all industries all the way down to what the attorney said. This could affect even an apartment lease. So I want, when we go for ownership, I need that to stay on the table so that we can tell our own story and make our own damn movies. That's where I'm at with this. Yeah. So, I you know, agree with I, you. I, respect I want difference. that too. I just don't feel like it has to come at this, at, at, I don't feel like that's method is the method that you're the Supreme taking. Court cases in five days. Unfortunately, the timing is that. such that, yeah, the, the timing is such that it's five days away, and any way we can get it I out there, you know, and I feel I just think there's a better method. I mean, yeah, I mean, obviously, yeah, like I say, you don't. It's not about whether you, you know, have to agree. I'm just simply, you know, saying, hey, it's thought out. And it's not just resting on laws. It's you know, it's a simple sacrifice compared to, you know, some that our, our ancestors you know have made. Um, in comparison, oh, it is not something that people. Are, it's a, it's it's nowhere near the sacrifice Harriet made. Right. Yeah, I'm not suggesting that you think that that it is. Yeah, but anyway, thank you, Queen. As we only have to give our last five seconds. Hopefully, people will keep tuning in. Uh, every Saturday, we try to bring these dialogues to you as honest and. All perspectives are welcome. We'll see y'all next Saturday. All I ask is that you think. Thank you, Christy, very much. Thank you for having me back, Michael. I enjoyed it. Absolutely.